It's time for This Week in WordPress, episode number 155, entitled Where's Paul Lacey? It was recorded on Monday the 22nd of March 2021. As the title might suggest, I am not joined by my regular co-host this week, Paul Lacey, because he's doing some other things. So this week I bring you Christina Hawkins, Ian Poulsen and Ronald Gidgesell. We talk about the WordPress news from this week and as always there's rather a lot going on. There's been some feedback given for the full site editor program and we talk about what's happened, what's new and updated, whether we like it or not. We also talk about Gutenberg 10.2, some new features added there. So for example you can now add spaces to navigation lists which Justin Tadlock is not happy about. We also talk about why Lee Matthew Jackson is moving on, not in every case, but in some cases from WordPress. We also get into the subject of an article recently put on the HeroPress website about Ronald, and it's a great coincidence that he was on the show this week. Also, Elementor has added form submissions and they're straying very close to the e-commerce space with their PayPal button widget. And finally, we talk about the fact that there's a new search engine in town built by ex-Googlers. It's got a subscription fee, but is it worth it? It's all coming up next on This Week in WordPress. This Week in WordPress is brought to you by Cloudways. Cloudways is a managed cloud hosting platform that ensures simplicity, performance and security. It offers cloud servers from five different cloud providers that you can manage through its intuitive platform. Some of the features include 24-7 support, free migrations and dedicated firewalls. Check it out at cloudways.com. And by AB Split Test. Do you want to set up your AB Split Tests in record time, like in a couple of minutes? Use your existing pages and test anything against anything else. Buttons, images, headers, rows, anything. And the best part is it works with Elementor, Beaver Builder and the WordPress Block Editor. You can check it out and get a free demo at absplittest.com. Hello there, welcome to another This Week in WordPress. I am joined this week by a right bunch of WordPress experts. It's very nice to have everyone. You may, of course, notice on the screen, we are missing, like it's almost like my left or right leg has, uh, has sadly had to drop out of this week's episode, which is a bit of a shame. But um, as you can see, we're surrounded by some veritable experts. And we're going to talk about the, the WordPress news for the last week. Um, I'm going to go around in the order in which I've got them in my show notes. I'm going to introduce you not in the order that you're on the screen, but in the order that I've got them written down. But first of all, we're joined um, by Christina Hawkins. How are you doing, Christina? Hello. Now, Christina Hawkins is a digital marketing agent. Sorry, she is the founder of Global Specs, which is a digital marketing agency serving home service markets. Christina has been working in this industry for 20 years. Her first website was for a small Arizona metro agency in 1999. And you still manage it. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Still manage it 20 years later. Yeah. I'm, I'm hoping it doesn't yeah. look the same now. It's time for it, a redesign. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's quite a bit out of date. And uh, we're also joined by Ian. Now, Ian, I don't want to butcher your name, but we've not really met before. So I'm going to say Ian Poulsen. Please forgive me if I've got that wrong. 
No, that's fine. Yeah, that's good. Oh, great. Okay. So Ian is the project manager at the WordPress product company, Delicious Brains, who you may have heard of, or notable plugins like WP Migrate DB Pro and SpinUp WP. And he runs his own WordPress plugins like WP User Manager and more recently Plugin Rank, a SaaS app to help WordPress plugin developers rank higher on WP.org searches. Uh, he runs the WP Content Community WordPress news site, co-hosts the Pressing Matters podcast podcast and has recently started a newsletter called WP Trends, which I've just signed up for, uh, providing WordPress marketing insights, trends and acquisition opportunities. You are very welcome. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you. Thanks for the long intro. Yeah, that's okay. That's absolutely fine. And uh, finally, over there, confidently, I point in the right direction. Uh, we have Ronald. Now, sadly, Ronald joined us at the very last minute. So I'm just going to say that Ronald works for Yith and is dead good. I, I don't want to add any more. But yeah, I'm the <laughs> yeah, partnership yeah. manager at Yith, and that's uh, yeah. a whole lot of uh, WooCommerce plugins. But oh, that's yeah, that's Yith, of course. I'm sure everybody has heard of Yith. We're very famous in the in the WordPress WooCommerce space. Um, if you're joining us, please feel free to add some comments. If you go over to wpbuilds.com forward slash live then you'll be able to comment, but you'll have to be logged into Google. You should be able to watch it over there. And if you're in our Facebook group, you can find that wpbuilds.com forward slash Facebook. Find the find the thread and you'll be able to comment. Uh, it's, an, it's an either or kind of thing. You can't really do both. But uh, if you make a comment, we'll try to put it up on the screen um, if it's on message. So just quickly going to go through all of the bits and pieces that we normally do at the start of the show, not about Elementor. We're going to start here. This is our wpbuilds.com website where we produce all of our content. We produce this, which is this week in WordPress, recorded on a Monday, scheduled to come out on a Tuesday morning. You can keep in touch with all that we do over on our subscribe page, wpbuilds.com forward slash subscribe. And if you want to catch episodes of this show from the past, you can see my ugly face and Paul Lacey's delightful face many, many times on the icons at wpbuilds.com forward slash news dash archive. Okay, enough self-promotional nonsense. Let's get on with the actual show. We've got a variety of things to talk about. Normally, it's a bit of me and Paul talking things through. But because Paul's not with us today, I think I will introduce most of the items and then hand it over to you guys, if that's all right, to have a little bit of a discussion about. The first one comes from actually last week's panelist. We had um, we had Anne on. Anne McCarthy was on from Automatic, and she was talking about the fact that she was trying to get as much feedback about the full site editing program as she possibly could. And, uh, and I'm featuring this, as always, the links will be in the show notes when we publish them. But this is some sort of high level feedback all about the bits and pieces that are going on. Um, it was all really, the, the, the question here was about giving feedback about the UI and about whether things worked in the, in the way that you were expecting. And some of the initial feedback was things like people weren't entirely sure that they were clicking on the right UI element. So an example for that would be this saving process. She says, while, sa while the saving experience was reliable, technically and generally intuitive, it has left a lot to be desired and resulted in a fair bit of confusion around, around expected behavior. In other words, quite a few people who submitted feedback kind of were struggling to decide whether or not they were clicking on the right things to save things. There was problems with the, the alignment and the width 
as well. Actually, I, I really had problems this week with the, the Gutenberg editor, but that's nothing to do with this. It decided to sort of go full left for me instead of floating in the middle. But um, have any of you played with full site editing? Do you embark upon these sort of like things that people like Anne McCarthy put out, user testing and so on, or do you just hope that other people will do that for you? Anybody, chime in. I, I, I'm, I'm guilty to that, to, to let other people solve all the initial bugs first. And also, I have to say, I wish I had a bit more time to play around. That would, be, that would have been really nice as well. Um, but I, I, you know, looking at the article, I think the, the, the key thing that stands out for me, and that's based on also your feedback, is that the um, user experience is different. Again, you know, there are, there's some confusing things, you know, where to, when and where to press. And when you look at WordPress, uh, and also for me, uh, WooCommerce is really important. And WooCommerce is moving sort of to a slightly different layout with their uh, menus. And then you have Gutenberg. You know, it almost seems like you, you need all these different skill sets in order to to create something. And I know it's the same with with uh, with themes. And if you're still using part, you know, theme part, uh, full site editor. Wow, that's a lot of stuff to learn before you can actually produce something. So I hope they get it right and really focus on that um, uh, initial user interface research of what they're doing here um, yeah. to make it work for everyone. What about you, Christina Orion? Do you play with this sort of stuff knowing that this is coming down the pipe? Do you do you worry about it now and you know get in there so that your clients, if if clients are a, a worry for you, you know, I so do. That you've got your, yeah. Yeah, I do get in there as much as I can. I have I don't use yet for full site editing. It's really like I'm sticking with um, the blog posts. So that's typically where I use the Gutenberg blocks is just because my feeling is posts should not be designed. Um, and so I just but but I struggle because my clients get really confused about the updating. I've had issues of permalinks. I've had issues where people don't know where things can go. It's a little confusing. But now that I'm seeing this is probably something I need to start collecting these because they're not going to do it. So I probably need to take some time myself and kind of you know, note some issues that my clients come to me about. And I have to do little videos to show them how to do some. And it takes me a minute. Like I have to look at it myself. Like I have no idea. Let me find out what's wrong. Yeah. So, <laughs> I'll yeah. get back with you. Yeah. Especially when we're in the middle of a WordPress meetup, because I run the Houston WordPress meetups and we just get a lot of users in there and we get, uh, I, it's probably something I need to just start collecting their FAQs and the issues that they have and submit them in here. So, yeah. What about you, Ian? Do you get involved in any of this kind of stuff or do you sort of take a, a backseat approach? Yeah, definitely more of a backseat approach, especially since Gutenberg's come out. I think with when Gutenberg and the block editor was, you know, having its, its, um, the, the big thing around WordPress 5.0, I was more involved in trying it and seeing where it was going, but, I, I don't know. It's it's not something that I do that that sort of um, comes across in my day to day because it's not client site building. It's you know the products that we work on at Delicious Brains and my own plugins are not necessarily affected by this stuff. Mm -hmm. um, so it's it's not in in the forefront of my mind. But also, I don't know. It, like the the way that the Gutenberg um, the release and the feedback that was given, but then not taken on board and there was a lot of um uproar i think around the block editor it's just left a bit of a bad taste in my mouth where i'm not i don't feel like i want to go get involved in it again and look at it and it's not something that i i don't know i'm not going to be rushing to use full site editing i still use the classic editor on a lot of my sites and 
yeah, it's yeah, it, it'll be interesting to see it play out from a wider perspective. But yeah, um, it's not something I've, I don't have the time as well. It's just another issue. Yeah, it's curious because I was just looking at the list of plugins that that you at Delicious Brains are responsible for, and you are you are quite immune to the block editor in a way, aren't you? You know, migrate databases, spinning up servers, um, and then WP user manager. You, you're in a good space to ignore the block editor, which is quite nice. If that's if it's yeah. troubling you. Yeah, I think the biggest crossover is the one of our plugins, Offload Media. Yeah. Which? Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's always a little bit going on with how media is offloaded via the block editor, and um, that's definitely the, the the potential for more issues. But yeah, no, it's a weird situation. It's nice because uh, obviously a lot of uh, companies have had to have really get stuck into blocks, block development, and um, custom stuff, and potentially pivoted to to be building blocks or you know things that are specific for the block editor. So it has been nice to be slightly removed from that. Yeah, the I, I I can't quite yet imagine giving a WordPress website with just the block editor in it and saying off you go. You know, design a website. We don't seem to be at that point. It was interesting last week we had. Uh, like I said, Anne McCarthy from Automatic, and she's been instrumental. Obviously, she wrote the piece that we've just looked at about the full site editing and the feedback that they've got. And she was talking about the numbers of people that tr traditionally sort of show up and assist with that process. And forgive me if I get this wrong, Anne, but I think she said, it, you know, something like 30. If they get 30 pieces of feedback, that would be considered like that's that's okay. And of course, 30 compared to the 40% of the web that we've got going on it is a it's a drop in the ocean isn't it and the more people i guess like like Ronald like Ian like me like Christina who can drop in their feedback but it's very much a question of when have you ever got time to do this you've you know um, we also, face that. they need to communicate that isn't it with, with yeah. the users i mean i didn't come across that and i never saw that yeah, going back to the to the WooCommerce ecosystem, it's also because I you run uh, Meetup and I joined Bob in one of the meetups. So we're sort of now experimenting and working on bringing the the WooCommerce sort of development side and WooCommerce as a you know automatic business to to the user and to the plugin developers and sort of bridging that gap a little bit. And now looking sort of in from a little bit from the outside, I can see that Gutenberg might have the same um, you know issue, but even uh, Gutenberg is not so clearly defined as WooCommerce because you either do WooCommerce or or you don't. You do, you know, general WordPress. But Gutenberg sort of affects everybody and no one. So they must have a really hard job trying to get um, feedback and people involved and feel they own it. One of the things that I think they're, they're really, it's going to be such a difficult circle to square is that we're so used to things like, well, we'll get on to Elementor, but, you know, things like, Beaver Builder and all of these products where they could design it completely in a silo. They just went off and built it. And when it was built, they just shipped it and said, there it is. And it was it was ready. They didn't have to worry about the backward compatibility. They didn't have to worry about the 40% of the internet using it and the fact that it has to work back to WordPress 3.6. They've got to support all of that legacy. And, and you do think that task must just be so difficult when you're trying to build with volunteer help in many cases or help that's been seconded by companies. You know, it's not like five days a week, 365 days a year. It's maybe a day here and a day there. And they're trying to build with 
the, all the legacy of WordPress. They've got to make it accessible. They've got to do all of these other things. And, and they've got to do it with the community constantly in the background because people like me, you know, we have an opinion when it doesn't behave as we expect. Um, but you're, you're polite, Nathan. I think there are thank people you. that might not be so <laughs> yes. uber polite in their <laughs> response. And I think uh, what Ian said when it, it came to WordPress 5, I think there was quite a lot of uh, comment. Yeah, it was interesting. I chatted to um, to Josepha um, last week, um, who, I don't know if you know Josepha, Hayden Chomposi. She's the, 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 the executive director of WordPress. I was lucky enough to have a chat with her. And, and that, Ian, that, that period of 5.0 really did make her go back and uh, re-examine. She said she spent six months just trying to reach out to as many people as possible and see if they can not make the same mistakes again. But whether or not you you believe this is a repetition of history, um, only 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 you, you, you can tell. But um, should we move on to the next piece? Because the next piece is basically more bashing of WordPress. Sadly, we're going to do we're going to going to going to bash WordPress for a bit, and then we're going to stick up for WordPress after a little while. I think we're um, going to bash him again after that, right? Oh, really? Are we? We're not. I have to say, some weeks it's just like that, right? It just comes out that way, uh, but it's not intended. We love you, WordPress. <laughs> this is a piece on WP Tavern. It's Justin Tadlock writing a piece called Gutenberg 10.2 Adds Spaces to Navigation Lists, let use, lets users categorize template parts and introduces scoped patterns. The, the taste in my mouth... The, the one thing that I was left with was, was this paragraph, uh, which I thought was quite interesting, in which Justin says, in one of the worst ideas in, Gutenberg, in, in the Gutenberg project it has brought us, users can now insert spacer blocks between horizontal navigation block items. And uh, Justin, is, is, it, Justin is very calm. It's very rare that you see Justin uh, sort of adopt such inflammatory language, but he's a bit he's a bit ticked off with this here. The idea that you can you can get what is essentially an, an unordered list and you can insert divs into the unordered list. And he uh, he says, no, this is not this is not semantic. This should not be allowed. Uh, and I think he's probably right. I haven't gone back and looked at what's what's allowed these days and what's not allowed. But he thinks that's a silly idea. Um, but there's there's there is better stuff. There's more things that he thinks are actually quite nice. Like for example, the fact that you can you can create uh, two column layouts um, automatically, although you can't send it back to a one column layout. He mentions that at the top, so that's quite nice. He also mentions that you've now got these template part categories. So if you're creating little template parts that you want to reuse later on, rather than having the default things like header and footer, you can now create your own little uh, little category sections and things like that. So whilst there's not a lot going on, there was quite a few nice little incremental releases. And also query block patterns, and I'll quote, the query block is at the heart of full site editing. It will eventually be one of the main primary components to both developers and, in, uh, and as users as they interact and build their sites. The development team introduced a new concept for end users when inserting the query block. In the past, users saw several block variations now they choose between patterns that are more specific, to, more specific to the block. Out of the box, there are large, medium, and small patterns, and users can also opt for a blank slate. So just the idea that you can insert these query block sections and you can make them look a little bit more how you'd like them. This is exactly what I'm hoping comes very soon. You know, the query block is going to be the mainstay of just about everything that I would imagine I'll end up building. So little incremental improvements is that. Is very welcome. 
Uh, again, over to you guys if you want to uh, natter that one through. I've just um, thought of something. The um, it's more an ob observation. They have all these new terminologies like block pattern query and and full site editing and and I know we probably come to it later with uh, Elementor as well. And there was this uh, I think it was last week about you know the use of full site editing and you know all these all these new terminologies that. It all changes, and you need to be really quick. Imagine if you didn't experience, um, you know, this this uh, Gutenberg era, and you sort of, you know, you left WordPress and you jump right into it. This is all really confusing because weren't we supposed to call it widgets and other, uh, you know, and uh, shortcodes and so on? And now suddenly we have to learn all this new stuff. And who owns it? And what's 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 the right terminology? Wow, it's yeah. Uh, and there's so many little acronyms starting to be thrown around as well. Like, uh, you know, notice in that piece, they don't actually say full site editing. They just call it FSE. Um, uh, yeah, it's just lots and lots of new little things. And it's all coming along at such breakneck speed as well. And I yeah. feel that somebody like me who takes the pain to try to digest it, I don't claim to actually understand all of it, but I can, I can keep up with it. But I imagine that if I was an end user of a site, one of the, I'm guessing what 90% of WordPress's user bases is just people who want to site for creating blog posts and, you know, putting out their marketing materials. All of this stuff must be very jarring. Um, and although they're insulated from it in the, you know, they're not reading these beta posts and things like that, it must be, must be quite jarring. Anyway, over to Christina or Ian, if they want to interrupt. No, for, just from my, I mean, I, I, work with end users every day, all day long. So I'm not a developer. I used to be, but I've handed it off to my developers on my team. And so even me, I'm reading this stuff like I have no idea what they're talking about, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. honestly. And if and I'm in there every day. I'm in WordPress every single day with 20, 30 websites. And I'm I'm struggling to follow this. I hop on and it's moved, things have moved around, the names, the they're changing names. I can't imagine from a user's endpoint what they're seeing every time they log in. And Ronald makes a really good point about these, about this. It's just, it's, and, and you too, Nathan, about things happening very quickly. So I wish that they would spend a little, slow down a little bit, get the things that we're all a little struggling with, get that right, then move on to the next cool thing to adjust and let us kind of, and let end users get used to this. But I have to agree with him about spacers and I'm a bit of a purist. I, have a hard time when I look at code. I'm like, what the hell? You're not supposed to do this. Even though it makes it on the front end, it looks fine. But on the back end, I just think it bloats things up, makes things a little difficult for other developers to come in going, why did you add a div to this? This doesn't make any sense. And so, especially if you're theme developers, people like that can't imagine what that's going to do for them if you add the wrong place, you know? So yeah, I think it's, it's difficult to really kind of keep up with all this stuff. So yeah. David, David Bloom in the comments. Thank you, David, for making the time to, to come and join us today. He said the blockification, the blockification of code is the quickest path to visual inconsistency and in a world of bot ugly sites. He <laughs> says, WordPress is adding every spice in the rack to the dinner and it's mm -hmm. going to taste terrible. Oh, well, remember uh, the days we would just, we, we tables. I feel like we're going backwards. You know, the days we had tables and we would put uh, spacer gifts in there to, to give us little spaces in the, oh. in the top. Remember those days? Yes. And, you know, I, I remember once being given... Yeah. I remember once being given a job by a client of trying to mimic the contents of a desk, yeah. you know, so got the screen over there and the keyboard and just trying to line that up with yeah. tables. Yeah. Oh, 
Oh. And then we put spaces, the little code for space. Yeah, that's <laughs> right. Yeah. I was yeah. like, that's what we're doing here. So <sighs> it's definitely a step backward. I don't know. Is this something that, that I'm wondering why they added that? Why is the, why did somebody go, hey, let's add this in there? Is it a Wix thing? Does Squarespace allow this to add spacers and stuff? I don't. I, I honestly don't know. And Justin sort of makes the part, um, it's, he says the space, I'll prop it back on the screen. He says um, the spacer block just in this paragraph here, the spacer block has never been right since it was introduced into Gutenberg. I always assumed it was an unfortunate stopgap solution for vertical spacing until we got a proper margin and padding options. I never imagined we could find new and inventive ways for it to define a site's markup. And I do like this. You can imagine this is like, this is heavily laden with sarcasm, I'm guessing. Fortunately, there are solutions for this sort of horizontal spacing that have been available to web designers for decades. Margin and mm -hmm. padding so there you go uh, ian anything to add well i was just going to say about the spacing presumably if you're building a, an unordered list or you know a navigational list in something like elementor you would have control over oh yeah margins and paddings sure. on on the list items so why not you know why not do this a similar type of thing give give advanced control if that's if that's what we want people to do within the editor it just seems silly to have the, that spacer, yeah. Yeah, the, the only scenario that I can imagine is, are, are we talking about, let's say, for example, you've got a menu on the left, floated left, and a menu floated right, and perhaps you want to put a logo in the middle or something, and you want to just sort of pad the, I don't know. I'm struggling to see how this one got in. But uh, anyway, yeah. there, there we are. We are, we are. Our second bashing has taken place. Um, <laughs> shall we introduce our third <laughs> bash of the day uh we, we apologize in advance but you know these these things have to happen this is actually from um a, a good friend of mine i would say lee is one of the people who has been very active in the wordpress space he's a uk developer he's got a fantastic um podcast over at agency trailblazer and um and perhaps this sort of illustrates some of the things that we've been talking about in fact it does because many of the things that you've all said uh, come out of this article because Lee has decided whilst not moving away from WordPress entirely because he feels that there are many uh, scenarios where WordPress is still going to be important to him. Lee has a non-WordPress side to his business called uh, Event Engine and they sell their, I'm going to call it a CMS for events and people who've got live events and digital events use that. And, and I think he's been he's been using WordPress for the longest time with that. But this article is him going through all of the pain points, all of the reasons why it's no longer working out. And it kind of breaks down into these subheadings that you can see. So the pace of development, he feels that um, it's kind of been going a little bit too slow. The innovations that third party solutions have been able to come up with and then you've got the advent of things like, oh, what's the one that everybody's talking about at the minute? The web flow. That's the one that I keep getting, keep hearing about. You know, innovations like that seem to be seem to be going at a rapid, rapid pace. He's concerned about the database structure and the way that the database is queried for the kind of things that he's been building it for. Um, he's worried about the plugin ecosystem and the fact that there's a lot of people out there who are now kind of creating um, plugins that he's become to rely on that it can be catastrophic for his business if those plugins aren't maintained and updated. And I think this is kind of the biggest one that worries him because he's in the he's in the agency space in that he wants to be somebody that agency owners look up to as somebody that can give advice. And he feels that there's this implementer community of people who who have, how should we say it, no 
no history with building websites who can use a UI such as Elementor and can set up an agency and that kind of makes it a, a cheaper offering and it makes it more difficult to find the right clients, um, which is what this targeting user base is on about. He also is critical of the WordPress leadership structure and how all of that's done. He's got, he's got a little bit of criticism for the fact that we've obviously got a for-profit entity uh, WordPress.com and Automatic, who are making the decisions. He's not entirely sure if the decisions are going in the in the right direction. So, as Lee says, what do you think? <laughs> I'm just skimming through the notes, uh, you know, the um, of the of the podcast, and some of the points he's making about the um, the issues with the database structure and and how things are stored. I think it really does depend on what you're building what type of site like if you're building apps and you know sites that aren't just the typical kind of you know brochure site or you know things that are going above and beyond then perhaps wordpress isn't the right tool and i think it sounds like he's coming to that conclusion and therefore moving off it to something else and and that's probably the right call because if you're building something and you've used wordpress as the as the kind of quick and dirty, let's get this working on a system that we know, and it has all of this other infrastructure for free, like the users and authentication, then WordPress is great to start out. But if you outgrow it, and WordPress is, you know, the database structure, the um, it, the, the way it, it works um, from post-meta and all of the issues around performance and stuff, then if you've outgrown it, you've outgrown it. And that's that's not a fault of the system as such. Mm. Um, mm. But I, I, I do get what he's saying with, with some other things. Um, do you over at Delicious Brains? I mean, maybe you've got a sort of like parent company or something. I don't know. Do you Are you all about WordPress? Is everything that you do in your daily life to do with WordPress? Or do you, do you sort of foray into other things and not use WordPress for certain specific tasks that your business requires? Yeah, I mean, it's very WordPress flavored, definitely. And we're building WordPress plugins. But... Um, in terms of the company, because we're building SpinUp WP, which mm, is of course. a hosting control panel, we've got, you know, that's not, you know, the infrastructure around that is not WordPress. You know, we run all mm. of our marketing sites on WordPress, but we've got it, the app itself is Laravel. We've got Laravel developers. We've got people who are, you know, familiar with sysadmin stuff because it's doing a lot of server work. Um, so, yeah, it, 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 that, it, it's an interesting point, though, because there's definitely like a, maybe like a 70-30 split in the company that is still WordPress focused. And then the other people are very much in. They're building with Laravel. They're they're outside quite happily of the WordPress development world. Um and and they're I don't know, they they have they have their own challenges for sure, but they don't mm. have the WordPress challenges. Um but yeah, um, overall the company is WordPress focused. And because you've got such a such a back history of building WordPress products. Has it, have you discovered in the same way that we're always being told that the curve just keeps going up for WordPress? You know, when I, when I joined WordPress in the community, I think we were on like 24% or something like that. And now we're on slowly the numbers went into the thirties and then the mid thirties. And now we're into the something beginning with a, Z, a four, you know, 40 something, wherever we're at now. Does that, does that reflect how your business has grown? Do you, you know, do you see that WordPress has a bright future? Because at some point that curve just, it can't just keep going up. At some point it's got to mm. tail off, but I don't know if we're at that point now. 
Yeah, I think for, for the company, it's it's certainly um, tracked the success in terms of, you know, we're still around, we're still hiring, we're still growing, we're still pumping out products and, and improving the existing features. But I think there's also, you know, we don't you don't have that same sort of hockey stick as a as the company because as the marketplace yeah. has grown and as WordPress has grown, there's competitors, there's more competitors. Like there was not many migration plugins back in the day when it first when um, WP Migrate DB first released in I don't know 2014, early 2014. Whereas there's now you know hundreds of those types of plugins on .org alone, and so yeah, there's you kind of you do see the success, but you can it's not runaway because there's so many other people in the ecosystem doing the same thing, and the pie is mm -hmm. big, but there's lots of people having slices. Yeah, yeah, good point. Um, Ronald, Christina. Go ahead, Ronald. Well, uh, I think Ian made some very good points as well about the big pie. Um, it's very true. It's the, the pie is big, but everybody wants to slice, and you can do that by undercutting, or you can do that by making something better. And I think what Lee also, with regard to the plugin market, you have a lot of maybe developers that sort of undercut and cut corners, and therefore put out worse quality. And that, you know, overall the experience of WordPress could be greatly affected. And if you're working with uh, clients, um, you know, who might just install any random plugin because it's free and they don't really know quite sure what, what they're doing, well, you can just imagine. And I think everybody has experienced it anyway. The, you know, the chaos it can cause to your, to your install or to your WordPress. On the other hand, you know, WordPress is great and I, you know, like to see it grow, but I, I, I don't want it to be the tool for everything, because I think it's also sometimes nice to know what its limitations are. I, you know, I, hope, I wouldn't want WordPress to, to, to power 100% of the web because that's, I don't think that's what WordPress is designed to do um, for. And, you know, it, it's like with everything, it has a sort of pros and cons, but I think if you know where you are, what you're, what you're comfortable with your market, use it. And I think, you know, speak about, maybe speak to, to soon, you know, one of my quotes was, "I use WordPress as a, as a tool in the in a toolbox." And if you know what what it can be used for, then great, use it. Don't you know? There are certain things you can't use it for. Thank you. Yeah, and I think for me on the on the flip side, when it comes to like agency building, so I'm also the coach for WP Elevation, and we're seeing this huge growth coming in from folks that are just just getting into becoming WordPress freelancers or running an agency. Um, and there is a lot of talk using other tools other than WordPress. So even WP Elevation is starting to, hey, we're not just WordPress freelancers. It's a good oh, right. marketing. Um, because, you know, it's it's a broad spectrum of people and we just don't want to be tied to a specific platform, especially when there's so many different, you know, tools that are out there. Um, but there, I can see Lee's point. I listened to his podcast, just mm. I didn't think we were gonna talk about it this morning. I was just like, oh, this is good. Um, but he his points about just anybody coming in and, and on YouTube and saying, you know, these little gurus, hey, you too can run, you know, make $10,000 websites, you know, and it's just not true. That's a very false narrative that it's easy just to build a 10,000, you know, charge somebody $10,000. Um, and it, it can, if you're not careful, cheapen the industry. And I think what Ronald was saying too about, you know, it just depends the direction you can, 
you can say to do $500 websites. That's, that's fine, you know, but are you profitable at it? That's the question. And then on the flip side is I wouldn't compete with that. That's not what I would ever compete with. And I know why, because the processes that I build into it, it's not just the website that I build, the processes, the performance, all of that stuff is what ends up what I'm trying to deliver um, as an agency owner. And so um, I do see that. And it's just something that we kind of watch. We all, we also see that it's not just WordPress. People come in and say, Hey, run an agency, have a PPC, do SEO, build websites. Oh yeah. You have to be super careful of too. And they just want to white label everything without any, any inclination of how any of this works. And it just applies to WordPress in a sense that they have no idea on the back end the development side of WordPress. So I think like you were guys seeing earlier, they just pick a template, they go to, you know, a theme shop, pick a template, looks good, stick it on there without really understanding the user about the market, about the, um, who the target market is for the, for the company. Um, and so I do see his point on that. Um, when it comes to the development side, I do worry about that because just like we were talking about with Gutenberg blocks, I do fear that we're trying to compete with the wrong people like Wix. We're trying to be another Wix. Mm. It's, that's not who, that's not WordPress is supposed to be. And I don't think we should be competing with Wix or Squarespace. I've often had people come to me and I'm like, you know, this isn't the right tool for you right now. You're literally just starting. Just go to Squarespace, put something together. They've got some nice tools, highly recommend it. And when you're ready, come back, we'll build you something pretty amazing. But right now you just need a, a nice tool. I don't want WordPress to be that though. WordPress.com maybe. Um, but, on, you know, and that's the other thing is education, edu educating users between the difference. Um, and I, I do wish there was a little bit more education on that side when um, WordPress.com is marketing themselves versus automatic and what they're trying to promote. So. Mm. Yeah, it'd be really interesting to see what the next couple of years brings, because if if they do manage to pull it out of the bag and they do have this amazing editor that can do headers and footers and what have you. It'd be interesting to see how the market shifts. Mm -hmm. Will we see people coming with zero expertise and cutting out agencies just saying, I'll do it myself. Mm -hmm. You know, I'll take the Squarespace idea and I'll just run that through WordPress. Or will it be that, you know, it'll it'll still be fraught with difficulty, mm -hmm. uh, enough difficulty that we've still got a job. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Well, even not so much the difficulty is from a developer standpoint, but difficulty from a point of being of building a website properly. Um, you know, instances where people throw in a photo and they think it's perfect. And it turns out there's a big right. porta john behind them. Like, that's really, you know, that's just that's just us. It's just how we know how to build sites, what to do, what not to do. And so I'm not that's something that you you just don't pick up. That's not something you're like, I'm going to start an agency right now and I'll no, you have to understand there's nuance to all this too. Yeah, so. yeah. Right, we're on to the last. The I promise, no, probably not. But anyway, we're on to almost the last bit of bashing. Cameron is in, Is it? Well, he was in the chat earlier and uh, we thought we'd throw this one in just because it kind of felt like it chimed a little bit with, um, with, what, with what Lee was saying. This is a talk that Cameron did over at Word, um, WordFest Live back in, I want to say January. Yes, January the 22nd, it says on the caption there. It's basically just sort of Cameron's take. He's, he's very often in here. He's been very good to, to us making comments on many, many 
posts that we put out and what have you. So I just wanted to highlight his his grievances. Probably the best way, because we've dwelt on bashing WordPress a lot already, is if you just want to like a high level approach. This is this is it here. Just go through the transcript here, and probably an awful lot of the things that you've bashed your head against with WordPress. Cameron's been there before you. He's a plugin developer, and uh, and he's 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 fed up, <laughs> shall we say? So yeah. more bashing, but that's it. We're going to stop because this is so coincidental. Now, occasionally we have some good synchronicity on the show, and this is one of those pieces because we're joined, as you can see, by look. Well, you look fairly similar. You've got glasses. There's a slight difference. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, still, and also, and also, look at this. There's Tofa in the comments. Tofa oh, runs yeah. Hero Press, and we've got um, we've got Ronald on, who's put a piece on Hero Press, all about your your sort of struggle and journey over the last few years, nine years, I think it is. Hero Press, if you don't know, is a site which. I would really recommend anybody subscribes to because it's just relentlessly great. There's just they just feature the nice personal stories um, of WordPress personalities. And you, coincidentally, even though we didn't know you were going to be on the show, you were in our list of things to talk about. Do you want to just run through what, why you decided to kind of put this piece up and what, yeah, what the backstory I, is? It's it's an interesting because um, so my story started well before joining you know, the WordPress um, community. And it's the struggles before that. And, you know, where I was sort of stuck in life with being, you know, doing a job, we owned a restaurant and the, you know, making that transformation of something, you don't really, you know, you're sort of stuck in that and you want to change a career. And I've, I've spoken to so many people that struggle to change their career, complete change. You know, how did you do it? And, you know, because you, you have an income and, I, you know, we had kids, we, you know, there are a lot of, lots of outgoings. How, how do you do that? How do you manage that? So I wanted to share that side of the story. And of course, the other side is the, you know, the tragedy whereby, you know, we lost our daughter. So, you know, using some of that negative, um, you know, the experience turning that into positive. So I had sort of two sides to the story. And added to that, Tofa, who was a key person, and he didn't know that at the time, for me to make that transformation into, uh, you know, what I was doing into sort of WordPress and making a living with WordPress. He was one of the trainers on OS, um, or educators on OS training, and I binge-watched his videos <laughs> in order to get myself into a good enough level, migrating from Joomla knowledge into WordPress knowledge and to apply for that job. And I think I had sort of a two-week window where I could binge-watch that. Anyway, I told him, this story a few years ago at at the WordCamp, and uh, yeah, it was a it was a really nice meeting. To you know, he didn't realize, of course. So it was a nice, um, nice, nice, nice occasion. And since then, we've crossed paths a few times, and here we are again. <laughs> In a way, crossing paths uh, totally coincidental. Um, yeah, yeah, that, that's how it sort of came about. Well, it's a really lovely piece, and it, and it speaks to me because. Oh, this is going to sound really quirky, and I don't know if Ian, Christina, if any of this will mean anything to you. Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. But the fact that I've been stuck at home for the last year, I'm really glad that I had a sort of pre-built stuck-at-home community to keep in touch with because we were all doing Zoom anyway, right? I, I was. Um, and so I was sitting here doing this, and I'd built this phalanx of people that I wanted to talk to on a regular basis 
and they were just there. And so in many ways, during the last year, the WordPress community has just, it's just, um, it's on autopilot still. I've got the same thing that I had 18 months ago that I've got now. Uh, a lot of my friends who had jobs where they needed to leave and go to an office, and they've had crises the like of which I haven't had to go through. So I've, I feel really blessed by that. Um, and, and so, you know, the piece that you wrote, just bigging up the WordPress community, which is, of course, the job of Hero Press. I feel really, really pleased that that bit was in my life and those Lego bricks were already assembled before the crisis that we're all undergoing. So I'll just throw that out there if anybody wants to concur or disagree. I think the community part is is a really big part, and, and hopefully I, I, that that came across in in what I wrote as well. That you know how I first met met Paul Paul Lacey, you know, in part of the WordPress uh, Birmingham meetup, and how we connected, and suddenly that platform, you know, WordPress or the tool, you know, suddenly have faces and people and connections, and you know that 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 feeling. I don't know if you've been to you know sort of a WordCamp and. You know, the day after, the days after, the week after, you're so inspired, and you've met people, you've you've talked to them, and Hero Press are sort of the stories that you you share. You know, it's one or two, a bit more intimate because of a you know the after party or you know the hallway track where you get to know each other a little bit better, and then you have this this sort of this bus after WordCamp where you you feel quite good. You, you're not quite sure what it is, but you're inspired to to carry on and to you know to maybe follow somebody else's footstep or example and i think hero press is, is probably fills that that space for me where you have these these real connections in a in a time where you can't make um connections or build up a community mm -hmm. um but yeah that that community also, although i wouldn't go as far as like oh if it wasn't for the community but it, it definitely played a big big part in uh, in my story mm -hmm. well, sorry christina and ian <laughs> if you want to add to that yeah, I was going to say uh, the community is just such a big thing. And same as you, Nathan, the last sort of year or so, just knowing that we've got this this group of people that are all um, doing the same thing, but part of the WordPress world, it, it's just made it easier to get through, I think, mm. because you can, you can fall back on chatting to people on Twitter or Slack or having Zoom meetings and, um, you know, even just having the remote team that you know you're going to speak to day in day out anyway because it's all set up and like yeah on a smaller scale the podcast that I do speaking to my co-host every other week or you know every couple of weeks is just so good because you know I'm not getting to see my friends as normal or family and it just makes um yeah it makes it a bit easier but also I think community and I've said it before into if there wasn't the WordPress community and Twitter and people in that space who are just very friendly I don't think I would be in the position I am doing the job that I do because it's all made possible by people in the community and having sort of access to things like Twitter and Slack. And like it, that's mm. just mind blowing because that, where else does that sort of happen? Um, so yeah, thankful as well, indeed. Mm. Yeah, I think for me, it was also, um, you know, big into the WP Elevation community. So we're always, you know, there's just constantly talking, constantly having, you know, I'm, we have uh, coaching calls every Thursday with the community. So my, my co, my partner, Pete and I just have constant conversations all week long and through Zoom. But I have to say, well, years ago, when I started, I had done a Drupal site and the developer disappeared. And it was, um, I moved into WordPress because I could find people 
there were this big community of people that would help me. And it's funny going just a little bit back to what Lee was saying about, about people jumping on Facebook and hoping to get free help from everybody in a way that's kind of why we all move into WordPress is because there's so many people willing to help. And um, I think that's the beauty of WordPress, the community of itself. And then when I first, my very first WordCamp, I was just like, Oh my God, I found my peeps. <laughs> this is it. <laughs> These are my people, you know, and it was just so much fun. And it just, and like, like you guys were saying, it's the, once the pandemic hit, we were already doing this. So I ended up working with my local community doing pop-up webinars to show them how to do it. You know, right. just, I wrote a blog post on how to set up your zoom. It's still my now a year later, the number one post people find me on. Um, but yeah, it's just, we're used to this. Now, my fear though, is I'm getting a little too used to this. <laughs> yes, like, yes. I don't know. We're supposed to have WordPress meetups at Houston and, and everyone's, I'm not sure when to start because it's been really convenient to find speakers and to have just to just run upstairs, sit at my desk and start a meetup. Whereas before I've got like, oh, I got to drive and I got to get the equipment set up and I got to have a speaker that's local. And so I'm a little like, I don't know if I want to go back or not. Yeah, you'd have to organize the venue or the food or the dietary requirements. Camaraderie that builds from it. And it has affected um, WordCamp. We were supposed to have WordCamp in April of 2020. Of course, that got nixed. We kept postponing it and postponing it. And now the the community is not quite there anymore because we don't see each other uh, in person as much. And so I'm not sure if when we can have a WordPress WordCamp um, this year, next year, I don't know. So I'm hoping something happens. I, I am. I am. Despite the fact that I said I'm really glad that I've been sitting in this chair and it's all worked out. I'm also very, very hopeful that some point soon I'll be able to get out of this chair and do some of the live stuff. But yeah, honestly, I, I think it's so easy to forget how unbelievably hard it is if you don't, if you're not familiar with computers, how just like, no, there's no way I'm going on. I, I don't want to watch somebody on a screen. That's just too weird. Uh, you know, but we've all got into it, and those barriers for me just evaporate years ago. So I'm, I feel very privileged to be in some sort of technology um, industry where we can do this. Just a couple of comments to throw in, if that's all right. First of all, uh, Tofa, who obviously was very much instrumental in uh, what Ronald was saying, he he waves and says hi. And uh, Lee Jackson also makes the the comment. He's obviously we were just talking about him. I don't know if you heard it. I'm guessing you did, Lee. We talked to little bit about you and your your podcast post you can't fault the wp community yeah we, we have been faulting them now we're big and we're building them up again we're building up um i may be using the product but i ain't going nowhere socially yeah. so that's nice to know um and also maya um just saying she agrees um i think that was probably related to the the stuff i was saying about the community and being able to use zoom and all of that kind of stuff Okay, I know time is tight, especially for Ronald. So we'll just very, very quickly move on. I don't know if uh, Christina and Ian, are you all right to just carry on for a couple of minutes if Ronald does have to leave us on the hour? Would that be all right? Sure. Yeah. Oh, okay, thank you. Um, in which case, I'll still go at a, a, a fair pace. But um, right, let's just mention this one again. Hero Press, go and check out uh, Ronald's article. It was published on the 17th of March, 2021. I've just learned that uh, Maya's uh, story is on there as well. You just oh. share the comment of uh, Maya. Oh, so, thank um, you. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Is that Maya from GoDaddy? GoDaddy Pro, yes. Yeah. She's the uh, Hello. European um, 
Uh, whatever it is. <laughs> okay. She'll <laughs> okay. okay. maybe drop it in. But thank you, Maya, for yeah. making that comment. And go and search out Maya's piece as well. Okay. Um, so this is interesting. I'm just always curious. You know, every single week, it seems, we can't go a week and without Elementor adding something. And just curious as to where this is going. Elementor, I've got this piece entitled Introducing Form Submissions, PayPal Button Widgets, and Feature Improvements. We won't really go into the feature improvements. They're always adding little features here and there. But you've now got the option to drop in these little PayPal buttons. And whilst on the face of it, it doesn't seem like a lot, um, I think it maybe illustrates just, just one more brick in the wall that has been knocked out by Elementor. Actually, that's the wrong metaphor. We want to build a wall, not destroy a wall. They've added a brick into the wall to make it more of the kind of the complete solution, you know, almost like the SaaS that we all assume is coming down the road that they've alluded to. Um, so they've added in this PayPal button this week, which you can do, but also, you know, just look at this. I mean, this this is the form submit submission section, which they've now added in. And so you go to Elementor, you go to submissions. And to me, that just looks like, like a gravity form or something. Obviously, in the past, this kind of functionality didn't exist in Elementor. Again, it's just one more brick that they've added. If you needed payment, well, they've now got a very simple PayPal edition, but it, there it is. You can get paid just by dropping stuff in from Elementor. If you want forms, they've got this fabulous form builder, and now you can look at all the different forms that have been added in by your subscribers over the last year or whatever. It's getting hard to imagine that there's very... Uh, move away from whether or not you agree that it offers you know, a sort of more bloated experience than you might wish for and what have you. They are... They are cranking out updates at a rate. It's very compelling. It's interesting yeah. as well. You're saying that it's a gravity forms, you know, it's, it's this kind of form building competitor. But to me, it just is, it's a Jetpack competitor because it's, right. you know, Jetpack has become the one stop shop for all of the functionality that you would expect in, in a site. And Jetpack has been adding more and more, and now Elementor's doing it. And this is just, you know, for for me, it's actually just really good to see because why not have that alternate uh, option where if people are designing their sites with Elementor, they can have all of this functionality. And it's, but it is so such a, uh, it's an obvious sort of head to head thing going on, I think. And as you said, with their sort of cloud offering, their I think it's elemental.cloud or elemental.com yes. cloud, which is going to be their future thing, which is not available right now, but it's coming. And that's WordPress.com basically for elemental sites. And it's not going to be WordPress as we know it. It will be an elemental version of WordPress. Um, so yeah, it's just it's just super interesting from the marketplace because yeah, the, it, it just for me makes me laugh because people have just for for years and recently when Jetpack added forms, just went, oh, I can't believe Jetpack added forms. But then everyone just kind of goes, oh, it's Jetpack, it's automatic. And now <laughs> Elementor have done the same. And it's like, well, good on you. Of course, if they do it, sure, why can't we do it kind of thing? Yeah, um, Lee uh, in the comments is just sort of saying, he, he predicts, it's an interesting prediction. It's something that has crossed my mind, but I've not yet sort of voiced it. The prediction that maybe it will become a fork of WordPress 
um, which will be successful in its own right. The the figures at the minute are 7 million websites. I don't know how many of those are on the free version and how many are not. But uh, I'll go to Ronald because I know that he's only got ah, – wrong way, point, that, point the right way. Um, I know that he's only got a couple of minutes left. So anything to add here, Ronald, before we go or you go? Um, yeah, no, Elementor, I mean, you just said the, the figure 7 million. You know, it's a big group of users. And you could criticize that it's too much or it's too this or it's too that. I think they have a very clear vision of where they want to go. And I could see this PayPal and Form Builder – uh, just a stepping stone into maybe digital content or paid for content, you know, courses, LMS, that, that type of stuff. You, it's quite easy to roll that out. And, you know, that opens up to a whole new group of users who are not really interested in what they're using as long as they can share the content and, and get paid for it. And, you know, whether it's WordPress or it's it's doing their own fork that, you know, like the maybe suggested maybe it's irrelevant to all the new users that are, that are still onboarding in the next five years. You know, they, they really don't care so much what uh, technology is built on. But at the same time, I do worry a little bit about where everything is heading, the different directions, because I think WordPress is only as strong because we all have each other and we, we are, um, you know, we, we, we building on, on this, this community and you have the, the possibility and the flexibility of using different plugins or page builds that you can switch. So mm -hmm. once everything sort of become disintegrated and we have our own sort of proprietary systems, uh, maybe marketplaces, it becomes more and more difficult to switch from uh, one host to another host because they can play nicely with one solution, but the other one can't. And then you, you turn into far maybe greater compatibility issues than you currently have. So I'm hoping that the industry can sort of stick stick together. Everybody can do their own thing. It is highly competitive. There's a lot of money to be made. Um, but yeah, it's an interesting time for sure. And uh, what's what's what lays ahead um, for all the different companies? Can't say too much about it. I you know I hear a lot of different stories in my conversations, but it's uh, yeah fascinating. Yeah. Well, Ronald, any time you want to drop out, there's. Just click yeah, that I leave, might. I'll do leave sort of studio wave, button. But, uh, we'll, uh, we'll carry on for a few more minutes. But thank you, uh, Ronald. Much obliged for you making the time for us today. Thanks so much. Thank you. Cheers. Um, Christina, anything from you on that? Uh, no, I think just uh, what you guys were talking about, just the, the the comparison with Jetpack. That's my worry is that it does become a bit bloated. And again, from a user's perspective, it's it's their target in my mind is the user, is the end user and their ability to quickly make websites and sales. For me, I'm, you know, for me to have a form in Elementor and a form here and a, and a contact form and that form, it's, it's, um, it messes with my process, my maintenance process. And so it costs me more time and money if I've got somebody that put on a, another form. Um, but again, that's just me as a, I, I'm not their, I'm not the person probably they're targeting for something like that. But um, I do worry about bloat. I do worry about bloat, yeah. I wonder if I sat over the shoulder of a typical Elementor user. Let's say that we somehow managed to scrape the screens of 7 million web WordPress websites who were logging in and interacting with WordPress. I wonder how much WordPress they actually get to see. You know, they get the login screen, and then is it that from that moment on, is WordPress just an inconvenience for them to get where they need to be inside of Elementor? Um, you know, they go directly to the page, click the edit link, and they're just WordPress, 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 don't, don't need that, don't need that, don't need that. I just need the Elementor screen. And as soon as they're finished with Elementor, they use WordPress to log out again. 
Um, it's, they've got so much, so many things happening. So I believe the roadmap is pretty, pretty aggressive as well. Yeah. But again, I think it depends on who that person is. For me, mm. my clients, we show them and we 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 work with the the dashboard in a way that they they know what to do. Right. We'll we'll walk them through it. We'll clean up the menu a bit. I don't really mess with the dashboard. Some people like to have all these custom dashboards. I don't really do that. I just try and make sure they understand where to go. But we limit what they can do. On the flip side, right. if you've got somebody that just spun up WordPress, added Elementor. Yeah, that I don't know what that looks like for them. I don't know. You're right. Is it is it a WordPress experience or is it an Elementor experience? I I use Beaver Builders. So I don't know. <laughs> but, yeah. I think I think it's an Elementor experience. <laughs> I think I think unless you're doing the the whole user management bit, and you know, I I, I can well imagine that if you've got a a website with Elementor, anything to any time you see that black bar, it's like get rid of that. Just give me yeah. the Elementor yes. that I want. I don't want to see any of that. That's yeah, true. Yeah. Very true. Seven million yeah. people. Mm -hmm. Speaking WordPress of which, the, oh, go on. I was going to say, work for them. WordPress is the tool to get to Elementor. So yeah, right. Elementor is their destination for sure. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. Um, and again, uh, segue. We've got two segues in one episode. This is ridiculous because I just said 7 million, and here we are. This is uh, 7 million websites because with great notoriety comes great responsibility. And um, I'm not going to go into the, the background of this, but it really is just to say that if you have a WordPress website and you've got Elementor on there, Sarah Gooding wrote a piece this week, amongst other places. I could have chosen a bunch of different security websites that mentioned it. Um, there is an XSS cross-site scripting vulnerability in the plugin, um, which has been fixed. WordFence did a write-up about it. So you can click on the link just here. So just go and get yourself updated. That would be very important. Seven million websites. Oh, they've got to be very mindful of their security posture, I would imagine. <laughs> okay. And the very last piece that we've got for you today. Um, and Ronald is still here. Thank you, Ronald. You're, uh, you're still here, yeah. My, my kids can barge in any moment. So oh, okay, that's fine. That's fine. I don't know why I ever linked to Search Engine Journal because whenever I get to that page, no matter how many times I've dismissed this wretched pop-up prior to getting to the page, it somehow manages to find its way back. Just found this was curious, really peculiar little story. I, I about four, three or four months ago, decided I would take a break from Google I've still got an Android phone, so they basically know everything about where I am, where I live, what I'm doing, and a whole bunch of other stuff because my house has all the Google Home devices in it, so they can hear everything I say as well. But I decided I would give uh, an alternative search engine a go. I picked DuckDuckGo because really at that time it was the only one that I knew about. I've been more than happy. Literally nothing that I've searched for on DuckDuckGo has given me results that I thought were subpar, so I'm sticking with that. But interesting that a whole raft of ex-Google employees have decided they're going to build a new search engine. And that's, I think, the interesting bit for me. It's ex-Google employees. Now, I don't know what contractual obligations they're under not to pilfer technology or whether they've been out of Google long enough that they can steal the technology. Um, but they've decided that they're going to build their own privacy-related search engine. And this piece is explaining that basically. But the, the key message here is if you want a more private search, unlike DuckDuckGo, which has advertising, these guys are going to request a few dollars out of your back pocket. And I think it was mooted somewhere between the region of, I think it was 5 and $10 a month. They've received a boatload of funding. 
And obviously, they've got a heck of a heritage themselves. One of them was the VP of engineering at Google. You know, I mean, probably knows a thing or two. Um, and coincidentally, they've set up offices just down the road from the, the great big Googleplex. And although I'm not trying to start a conversation about this particular search engine, I was just curious to know whether any of you guys have, have sort of got a bit fed up with some of the incumbent tech companies, you know, the Googles and the Facebooks, and have taken steps to quieten down the noise from them and the impact that they've got in your lives. So if anybody wants to chip in in any order, go for it. I think it's quite normal, isn't it, that... Uh... You know, this sort of wave movement and big business are really powerful. I mean, it's not difficult to understand or to, to name a few big companies that were very popular 10 years ago, 15 years ago, that now you don't know who they are anymore. So maybe it is the time that uh, that things are starting to change. But I, I do think Google is also very much driven by advertisers because it's such a big, big flat platform with... Um, you know, Google Ads is a big thing, but Mail and Maps, and you know, it's so integrated, it's very difficult to step away from that because you just said it yourself, Nathan, that, you know, even though you try to do it just from for your searches, but you're still so much connected with everything Google that I don't know if we can ever wean ourselves off Google, um, if that's even possible. Maybe I don't even want to because it is sometimes very convenient that things do work and are integrated, you know, with your phone. You can send it to your car and there it is, off you go, drive away. Do I want to reconnect all of those pieces um, based on, you know, maybe they're sharing some data, not just some, quite a lot of data um, by a search engine. I don't know if that's going to make the big difference, but i'm i'm open to it i think it's only good that things are being questioned because it will also tighten up uh, google's way of uh, collecting and sharing data mm. um ian or christina i think for me it's uh we're like you guys are saying just we're so ingrained in it and it's really hard to separate yourself especially when you're out there like you're saying with with maps i've actually on my phone just uh um got logged off from Google Maps. And I swear to God, every time I get into my car, like, hey, you're logged off. You sure? You sure you want to be logged off? I'm like, dude, yes, I don't need, <laughs> you, know, <laughs> you know, you want me to log in, you want to see where I'm going. I get it. You know, so it's, it's, it's constantly perpetuating. So I do use other maps. But yeah, I think when, when it comes to privacy, um, I'm, I'm just so ingrained in this world of digital marketing. I just, I'm used to it by now, which is kind of bad. But I have a 19 and a 13 year old. Right. And that's where my brain goes. They don't need to be on this. They don't, everything about them does not need. And so I'm constantly on my daughters about stop sharing. You don't need to be on this stuff. You can get off of it. So I would like an alternative, like a, like a browser like this, where I can um, just kind of cut them, cut, cut that off at the knees. Um, but there's, it's really, really hard to just not use these Google there. There's been some studies. I think somebody tried to do that. Actually it was Amazon. They tried to cut themselves off from Amazon and not use any Amazon boss at all. It was, it was oh, including AWS, Every, everything. Cause everything. Oh, give everything. up. <laughs> and she couldn't disconnect from Amazon in any capacity. It was so hard. No, Dropbox, no, nothing. Yeah, yeah. Nothing. And so it's it permeates more than just our privacy. It's just you've got these, and it's a whole other topic, but these conglomerates that, yeah, maybe it's time to take a deeper look into this. And, and are you, and I think somebody posted on here earlier about 
well, I'm okay with ads. I'd rather not pay and I'll just accept the ads. I mean, I'm on YouTube. I'm okay with the ads. So I'm, they, of course, they keep trying to drill me to, to buy. Every time I log on, they want me to get a, a family subscription, but I'm just not ready to go down that path. Another subscription. And this is just, it's never going to end. We've got subscriptions for TV now. Every show, they want a subscription. You know, any video, any media content, a subscription, anything. So it's... It, I'm on, I'm a little on, you know, do I want to pay now for search engines and, or just accept the ads? It's just this weird, but I would like to see a little bit more. And I think the, you guys did on Europe is trying to protect that privacy. And what can we do to, to just get a little bit more protection on our own data? So, yeah. And Ian, anything to add? Yeah, I mean, with the Google side of things, I, I'm still very much a Google user, and I kind of just allow it to happen, and you know, yeah. Gmail and all of that stuff. But from a Facebook Facebook point of view, mm-hmm. I've not been on Facebook for years, and I'm kind of more conscious of what you know that means for sharing, and try to be less sharing on there. Um, but then, because you're in this sort of digital, um, you know, the marketplace that we're in, and and Facebook for ads, and Google for ads, and the ability for Facebook to be able to target the right customer for you from Facebook ads is too good an opportunity. So I see it from both sides. And like personally, I don't want to be anywhere near it, but from a business point of view, it's <laughs> yes. great. Yeah. And that's, yeah. that's such a terrible sort of like two way, <laughs> uh, you know, that's bad, but yeah, that, that's just how it is. And, yeah, and it's the only thing I was just, sorry. Yeah. No, you, sorry, you carry on. I shouldn't have interrupted. No, I was just going to say the other thing that just, um, picking up on what Christine said about the sort of the European and the privacy and the GDPR stuff. I was on a, f- a phone uh, call to my uh, car garage today and they spent 15 minutes going through my marketing preferences on the telephone and what I would like to be contacted by them or their partners. And I was just like, they are just, I, I cannot be dealing with this. You know, you think cookie pop-ups are bad on the web. If you have that on a phone call, it's horrendous. So yeah, wow. it's, I mean, that's a throwaway comment because it is it is for the right reasons, but it's a terrible implementation across the board. Yeah, that's absolutely fascinating about your garage. That kind of stuff just really, because it's actual time lost in your actual <laughs> yeah. day. You know, you can scroll yeah. through a form in seconds. No, 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 no. But, you know, so <laughs> now next question is, no. Um, you the, go to the stores when you actually shop? Do they stop you? Because now in the US, it's like, can we have your phone number? We need your name and your email and your phone number before you can buy anything. And I'm always like, no, you don't. Just Can I just check out? Do they do that with you guys? Are they at the clerk say hey is it okay if we send you an email is it okay if we do that do they do that no not really because the the, the transactional process is very much you know you you walk up you put down the thing that you want to buy and you pay with your card and then you just walk off but the only time they try to get you with that is if you return something Uh, upon returning things they often say oh can we get your like you know your telephone number and for me it's just a blanket uh no no, you yeah, no. Yeah. Why would you yes, possibly want every that? Every time you shop, they want your phone number and oh. create an account with us so we can track your purchases and you get special rewards, which usually is you know twenty bucks here and there, you know. But everywhere you By go, way, name and email. what are shops? 
But <laughs> what do you do in a shop? I, I don't know. <laughs> in a shop, I mean... When you go there, you buy stuff and you walk out with them? Is this, this is yeah. whole, I don't know, I can't remember those things. Their own little shopping card, you know, their, little, their own little yeah, yeah, card, yeah. their loyalty card. That was kind of the beginnings of it, wasn't it? I feel that, like, where you are, Christina, they just kind of want to roll up your sleeve and put the chip oh. right in directly, you know? <laughs> 100 percent yeah yeah but did you see so this is probably much more widespread in america but i think in london for the first time ever one of these little amazon shops popped up where i mean there must be staff right because they've got to repack the shelves but the the process is that you just walk through scan something on your phone walk through this turnstile and then the shop just myriad dis, um, array of cameras above can figure out what you've taken off a shelf and then you know probably what you've put back on a shelf and so on and, and it makes makes decisions about what you ought to be charged as you walk out and so there's no actual checkout process and you just think boy at that point just give up they've just yeah. they just know literally what you're eating yes. i've heard that's what they're they're gonna move toward with whole foods so whole oh. foods will have this process where there's no checkout you just fill it up and you use your own scanner or something as you walk out, there's no checkout process. It's just done as you shop. So it's coming. It's coming. They're going to, yeah, that little chip, you know? (laughs) Yeah. I just feel that in my own tiny and significant way, I just want to fight back a little bit. And, and I think that the catalyst for me was that movie. What was it called? The social social uh, experiment, the social, yeah. Mm, whatever it was, it was a ne- it was a Netflix movie, and they were tracking every moment that I watched it. But uh, the so it oh, what was it called? It was like about a year ago. Anyway, that film, I'm sure somebody can uh, alert us to it. I watched that, and it had a real I had a real epiphany halfway through it, and I and I got for the first time a, what what people have been bashing on about. You are the product. Somehow that message never got into my head. It just didn't connect. And I watched that film, and I thought. My God, I'm the product. Ah! And then I sort of ran around trying to disconnect myself from as much as possible. And I've, I can't, I just can't. But where I can, I will. Mm-hmm. Uh, although it'll be very slight. Uh, but I think you make a good point, Ian, about, you know, the Facebook ad things. I don't want to be targeted by Facebook ads. But if I had a business, I'd want to put Facebook ads out. You know, it's just so beguiling. Yeah. It's brilliant. Well, with the iOS yeah. updates, that's going to make mm. huge changes on how that's coming going to soon. Be. So, yeah. yeah, so that'll that we'll see what happens with that and their advertor- advertising. I'm trying to understand how that's going to affect. I don't use Facebook ads myself. I've had mm-hmm. to I have to hire that. I have to refer to that. It's so complicated. Yeah, somebody uh, else gets to get their hands oh, dirty yeah. with that. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> but speaking of, we do AdWords though, so uh, yeah. you know. Yeah. But I, I recently started using. Uh, the Brave browser, which is a Chromium fork, which ostensibly tries to mask a little bit of the tracking that's going on. There's this little picture of what looks like a lion's mane, lion's icon in the top right uh, at the end of the URL bar, and it tells you how many trackers it's blocked. So, for example, uh, you know, like your Facebook, it's like 7,862 in the first four seconds. It goes, and, uh, and and that's my little way of uh, trying to block all of that nonsense. Anyway, I've used up far too much of everybody's time. Um, just quickly, in case anybody wants to mention something that they are involved in doing, publishing, reading, enjoying, whatever, uh, can we just go around quickly? I'll start with Ronald, who's amazingly still here. Uh, so we'll go with Ronald. Anything you want to say, Twitter handle, whatever, go for it now. 
Oh, no, you need to join the uh, Do The Woo um, Community Builder um, Meetup or events by uh, Bob WP. I'm just going to evolve. We did our first event last week um, of a roundtable discussion. I'm sort of the host of a few panelists. And that, that, I think that's going to be a lot of fun in, in the coming months. Um, but he, he's doing something every week. So that that's, if you're in the WooCommerce space, it's definitely something to get involved with. And of course, my usual co-host in Do The Woo not to do work with London. So get involved with that. Um, other than that, you can find me. Oh, yeah, read the Hero Press uh, um, article. And you know pretty much everything about me. So Yeah, yeah in one small, <laughs> tiny article, yeah. Uh, who yeah. doesn't love Bob Don? Yeah, thank you, uh, Ronald. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, Christina? Um, just on uh, our Houston WordPress meetup, I'm always looking for speakers. So... Um, <laughs> So if anyone's interested, just email me, chawkins at globalspecs.com. I need some speakers. I need developer speakers. We we need we need a mix. I need marketing, developers, stuff like that. So yeah, if anyone's willing to be a speaker at a Houston WordPress meetup. Thank you. Um, I hope somebody manages to hear this and gets in touch. And finally. We had Chris Lava last week. So Oh, nice. Yeah, Very good. nice. Talking memberships. So it was really, yeah. really good. Nice. Sorry, finally, Ian. That's all right. Um, yeah, so you can find me on Twitter. I'm Povot Web, and um, yeah, you mentioned it before. My new newsletter that I started a couple of weeks ago had the first email out. It's WP Trends, and if you, so, if you're interested in hearing my WordPress market insights and information about trends and anything going on in the in the WordPress business side, like acquisition opportunities, please, yeah, feel free to subscribe and get me in your inbox. It's WPTrends.co. Very, very nice. Thank you. I'm going to end on Cameron Jones' comment. Uh, it's funny, though, he says, because to just today I got a targeted ad on Facebook for coriander because Facebook has determined I'm interested in coriander. They're not as smart as they think they are. And as they say on Top Gear, on that bombshell, we'll end it. So I'm going to say bye-bye. Thanks for joining us this week. Really appreciate it.